Good morning, Midland Free. Good morning. Welcome here. My name is Pastor Jeremy. We're so glad you're continuing to worship with us this morning. I always do my very best to trust the sovereign plan of God. But today there's something happened that's challenging my paradigm a little bit. And that is this. The Gospel Coalition and the Duke versus Michigan State game this afternoon. Oh, man, what trouble. You see, what happened is this. The Gospel Coalition, if you're unfamiliar with it, this is like the ultimate in Gospelville. I mean, this is all the good guys, the big names, the super dupers, uh, John Piper, Tim Keller, Al Mohler, Kevin DeYoung, etc., etc. The list goes on. All the great names of people who really believe the Bible and preach the glory of God and his word. And you just say, wow, if there's somebody you could feel safe with, I would set you with them. All of these people are going to be in one place this week in Indianapolis. And fortunately, because of the upcoming event next weekend with the Cherish Marriage and Gary Thomas, the Lord worked it out for good that I can go because I'm not speaking. And so I'm leaving this afternoon and I'm so excited. And I'm like, oh, Michigan State versus Duke. What am I going to do? What's that? Go Zion. That's right. I like that. Very good. Do you know my middle son's name is Zion? Just so you know, it is. No kidding. Zion Lobdell's son. I don't know. So I'm looking at this. I'm like, all right, no problem. I'm just going to whip out my phone and pull up my app and I'll try and I'll turn it over so I'm not watching the game while I'm driving. But I'll listen. But then somebody's riding in the same vehicle with me and I'm like, oh man. I can't be rude, so I can't wear my headphones. That's okay. We'll just, uh, wait, I'm driving the church vehicle. It's old. It doesn't have those, like, pluggy things. What am I going to do? And then I remembered the radio. Now, hang on, kids, a radio. It's this, like... It's a box, you see, and it has this metal thing called an antenna. And, yeah, an antenna. It's radios from like 88 megahertz to 108 megahertz, and this is the original wireless. So if you think of wireless, it like comes over these stations. I don't know. You'll see one in a museum someday. (laughs) There's these things called radios. By the way, I'm actually, you never believe this, I'm older than the Internet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I know that there are some people in this room who are up with technology. There are folks who are over 60 who who do things like this. They say, hey, Siri, or hey, Alexa, play. If you're over 60 and you say that, just raise your hand. Go for it. There you go. See, we've forgotten how what radios are and how they work. But let me let me explain to you people who don't know what a radio is. A radio is this thing that you have to dial into. You can't just like call out instructions. You have to be precise. So since it's from like 88 to 108, you can't just be like, I don't know, whatever I feel like. No, no. If you want to get the right station, you have to be like 88.3. If you're at 88.5, you miss it. 
If you're at 90.1, you miss it. You have to dial in exactly and precisely to get the tunes or station or program that you want to hear. Well, today I want to communicate something to you that's way older than radio, but it's way truer than that. And that's this. There's this power, this force, this incredible thing that is here with us all the time in the air, around us, surrounding us, waves that we don't even feel and yet is there that you can experience and you can fully grasp this power, but only if you're dialed in. See, this thing is so sensitive that it's more sensitive even than the radio. What I'm talking about today, of course, is the Holy Spirit. Exactly right. Let me write that up on the board here. Okay, the Holy Spirit. Anybody know what today's sermon's about? The circle around it, no. (laughs) Good try. Keep going, keep going. (laughs) The Holy Spirit, exactly right. Today I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, and it's interesting because when I first read this passage, there's a lot of stuff about, you know, anger and don't do this and edification and do do that. So the original title to my sermon was Anger versus Edification. You know, which one do we want to do? Here's a pile of don'ts. Here's a pile of do's. Make sure you're on the do's and not the don'ts. But then as I looked into it and I studied it further this week, what I realized was it's really not necessarily about the do's and the don'ts, but it's about the one thing that's in between them all. The centerpiece of this passage, the centerpiece of our lives, the single most valuable Thing that you have above your marriage, above your wedding ring, above your retirement account, above your home, the most valuable asset in your entire life is the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that this morning? You believe that the single most valuable thing you have is the Holy Spirit. For real. You see, this Holy Spirit, kids, is what's going to get you through high school. It's what's going to get you through college and young people. It's what's going to get you from through life and elderly people. It's what's going to sustain you to the end. This is the Holy Spirit. When you lose your mind, you don't lose this. This is the one thing you have no matter what. The Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do today is help you to move in the direction of being able to tune in or dial in precisely to him. If you want to grasp that infinite power, that great power, that thing which is more powerful than nuclear bombs, this thing which created the world and time and space, this thing that hovers above and in and over and through it all, if you want this thing, you've got to dial in. So today, on channel 4, verses 25 through 31, on W. E-P-H radio. We're going to tune in to the Apostle Paul as he tells us how to tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit. The theme for today is this. I'll show a quick slide here. The theme for today is this. I want you to tune in in order to tap in. I think this is what this passage is saying, is that to 
Tap into the power of God. Experience real power in your life. Real power, transformation stuff. You have to tune in. So in order to do that, we'll see two ways to do that. And that's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 and following. I'm going to read those verses to you. They'll be up on the screen. You can also follow along on your mobile device or also in an old school Bible and back. If you need one, take one. We're happy to share. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 25, says this. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, and that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Instead, be three things. Number one, kind to one another. Number two, tenderhearted. Number three, forgiving as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Tap in to tune in. Today I want to show you two ways to do that. And the first of which is this, to tune in to others. The first point I want to make today is this, is that we need to tune in to others. And so wait a minute, Pastor Jeremy, I thought this sermon was about the Holy Spirit. Why are you telling me to tune in to others? Let me show you. I'm just going to use X's and O's because that's as good as it gets for me. But this is going to be other people, okay? So X's and O's are other people. Okay. So here we have the Holy Spirit. We want to tune into him. And I just told you one of the best ways to do it is to tune in to others. Why is that? If these people are believers, then what happens when they believe for the first time in Jesus? What happens? The Holy Spirit comes into their life. And so the Holy Spirit indwells each one of these. We're a priesthood. We're called a bunch of different priests who go straight into the Holy of Holies. Via the Holy Spirit, we go to Christ. And to the Father. So the Holy Spirit is really that thing which is connecting all of us. If he indwells us, he is also one with the Son and one with the Father. So in that sense, we are all connected to him. So what happens then is this. If you want to connect with the Holy Spirit, 
It's not only essential that you just be an individual and go and individually connect with him, but it's also very important that you as a body or as a community connect with one another because if you cut off one of these X's or O's, then you have cut off part of the body or part of the spirit. So that's what it says. Let me show you your verse again now that I've done it graphically. Verse 25, it says this. Here's, here's what we're getting at. Why is it important to tune into others? Well, in verse 25, it says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Because we're all connected, if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, that it's absolutely essential that we speak the truth one another let me give you another analogy the apostle paul also uses a body analogy he talks about there being different parts of the body if we the church are a body then we have the brain the heart the hands the feet the parts that you don't see all the different parts part of the body now what happens if for instance i come early this morning to church and the sun hasn't risen and there's still a few little Snow piles in the parking lot, and it's cold, yet during the day it's been melting. What's at the edge of those snow piles this morning? Ice. And what kind of ice? Black ice. Exactly right. I don't see it. In fact, what my eyes tell me is that it looks fine. They're essentially lying to my feet. And so what will happen is, if my eyes tell my feet... Nothing there, don't worry about it. My feet step out in faith, and all of a sudden, boom, I go down on my back. I hurt the rest of my body. So, too, if my eyes said, hey, Pastor Jeremy, don't worry. There's, a, there's another foot of space out here in front of you. Go ahead and step off. What would happen? I would fall, and I would get hurt. You see, if any part of the body lies to another part or doesn't tell the full truth, then the whole body hurts. That's why it's absolutely essential for us to speak to one another. Because if we're lying to each other, we're going to fall into a pit. Now, you may say to me, hey, wait a minute, Pastor Jeremy, hold on. Sometimes I don't exactly tell the full truth because I don't want to hurt somebody. (laughs) How do these genes make me look? Or blah, 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 blah. Be careful what you say. Well, There are ways to tell the truth and there are ways not to. And this passage is actually going to walk us through what that looks like, how to speak the truth in love. It never says lie, so you never lie. But it does say tell the truth, so how do we do so? Verse 32. Verse 32, jumping to the end, it says, like, this is the way to do it. Here's how to drop the truth bomb, if you will. It says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. How? As God in Christ forgave you. This is the model or paradigm for the entire New Testament. Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Everything that we do is based on how he did it. So you look at him and see, here is a model for truth. Was Jesus wishy-washy on truth? Never. He had some very direct confrontational statements that 
In our day and age, people would probably label hate speech. He said things that are crazy. Yet, he also showed extreme compassion and tenderness and kindness. So how do we do it? How do we walk that line? Well, there's more guidance. So there's the command. Now, here are some things to avoid. Here are some things to avoid. Back to verse 26. You know, it says, be angry and sin not. This week, I had the fun of asking that question at our family dinner table. I said, guys, how do we do this? Like, I think this Sunday, I might have to preach on one of the hardest verses in the entire Bible. How can we be angry and not sin? Seems like every time I'm angry, I'm sinning. Just to be honest, it ain't easy for me. What's going on? Well, I think the reality is this. As fallen sinful human beings, we are so familiar with sinful anger, we rarely, if ever, experience righteous anger. And then when we do, we can't tell them apart because we think the feelings are the same. But they are different. And I want to show you in just a minute how to tell them apart and pursue one and not the other. Let me start with the bad anger, the unrighteous anger, the one that we're most familiar with. And here's what I think happens. In our world, we know it's a sinful place. We are fallen and we mess up and it's a dog-eat-dog world. Let's just be honest about it. People are out to get theirs. We're driven by self-interest. And it feels like or seems like or at least our experience tells us if we don't protect our own space, somebody else is going to take it. So you watch your children, you watch yourself, you watch others. Same thing. Everyone's like, this is mine, this is mine. Got to protect. Because if not, what happens? You get run over. We're in trouble. And so what ends up happening then is this. Listen carefully. Here's, Here's how I think we can say it. Unrighteous versus righteous anger. We overcompensate in order to overcome. We overcompensate in order to overcome. So, for example, if there's noise or yelling, we yell louder. We get bigger. We puff up. In a lot of ways, I think we look kind of like this guy. You know what this is? The puffer fish. What happens, you can keep that up on the screen for just a little bit as I talk about him. This this little guy, he's in a dangerous world. Right? There's sharks. There's killer whales. There's eels. There's all kinds of things that want to eat them. There's nets. I mean, he is not the biggest fish in the tank. Here's this little puffer fish. And so what's he going to do? Well, somebody comes chasing after him. He doesn't have a big school of fish to defend him. He's going to have to scare him off. And so he soaks up a bunch of water and expands his tummy three times bigger than his actual size and pokes out his pines and gets all prickly. So nobody wants to bother him. You know what happens when we get angry? Who do you think we look like? Get all puffed up and prickly. You watch two young men about to fight. What do they do? They're all puffed up. Chest is getting bigger. Sucking in air. You're not puffed up. You're prickly. We overcompensate in order to overcome. But here's the thing. You believe that Jesus overcame 
You believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave for the forgiveness of your sins and is coming back to make everything right. Do you believe that? If God is good and God is in control and Jesus wins and will be resurrected, what else do we have to worry about? We don't have to puff up. We don't have to fight. We can relax and back off. And it's going to be okay. See, that's the thing with anger. We always, we, we get angry because a lot of times we feel personally affronted. It's going to be our sacrifice, our loss, our hurt, our pain, and maybe legitimately so. Not saying it wasn't legitimate. Your experience was real. But then how do we respond? We overcompensate. In order to overcome. And then inevitably what happens is we miss. Look at the NCAA tournament. It's so funny. And I've told my kids this. I tell myself this. And we all still do it. Like You go up to the free throw line. And you're about to shoot a free throw. If your first shot is short. Where is your next shot going to be? Too long. Almost inevitably. Every time. You say no no just shoot. Oh that was short. I got to shoot a little harder. Bonk. Off the back. It's so hard just to get in that middle zone in that right perfect spot. And yet this is what this text calls for. It says, be angry and sin not. How do we do that? How do I get in that spot? How can I be? How can I, a sinful human being who's sinned in anger so many times, actually feel this emotion and not sin? Is this even possible? Lord, give me an example. Wait, what did we say the example was? As God in Christ. What are some examples? Let me just let you throw one out. This morning from scripture. Can you think of any good examples. Where there is good anger. In the Bible. You guys are talkative bunch this morning. Hold back. What's one? Yes. Jesus in the temple. Low hanging fruit. That's a good one. Good job. I know. No, you got more. I know you got more, but that's the easy one. What's another one? That's this. So we go there right away. Yes, sir. Yeah, Jesus and the man with the shriveled hand. Okay, so we're still on Jesus. Let me cut short the Jesus because that's just too easy. Any other examples? Dan. Yep. But we're still on Jesus. I'm trying to cut the Jesus thing short. Right? Just kidding. It's okay. That's a good one. Yes, Nala. Oh, you pulled back. All right, good. Let me, yes, good one. Okay, sorry, I'll come back to you in a second, all right? Just a second. Moses smashing the Ten Commandments at the worship of Baal. In the new, okay, what's yours, sir, and then we'll stop. Job, okay, what was he angry about? Okay, so let me think about that one. That's wisdom literature. It's going to take me more time than the sermon today. (laughs) That's a good one. We'll come back to Ecclesiastes and Job's and all those good ones later. But here's the thing. As I searched scripture this week, what I saw is like, if you talk about some other examples outside the Jesus picture, talk about Moses being upset at idolatry. You talk about Saul when he was first king, doing what a king should do to deliver the people when, um, okay, I forget which ites it was, but one of the ites came and threatened the Israelites to poke out 
their right eye if they didn't pay tribute. And Saul got upset and he rallied the troops to protect the people. Then later, Jonathan, who would have been in line for the throne, gets upset when his dad becomes the would-be assassin of David, who's ascending to essentially Jonathan's place. And then you go throughout scripture and what you see is, from what I can tell, and I challenge you to prove me wrong, look in the Bible and see. If you can prove me wrong, this is a great place to do it. Look in the Bible and see. I think, from what just from what I read this week, that the way to differentiate between righteous anger and unrighteous anger is this. Here it is. Righteous anger is when you're stirred on behalf of someone else. Righteous anger is when you're stirred on behalf of someone else. Unrighteous anger, most often you are stirred on behalf of yourself. Unrighteous anger. Moses is upset at idolatry. Paul is upset at the Judaizers who are corrupting the gospel. Jesus is upset at the people who are not compassionate or who are not at the temple to pray. All the time it's about worship or gospel or the protection of somebody else. It's rarely, I have never seen it, where it's about oneself. And why is that? Because as we read in the psalm this morning, Psalm 37 and others, when you're hurt, your hurt is legitimate. When you're robbed, that theft is real. When you experience difficulty, that's acceptable. I mean, that's that's right. It hurts. But your response at that point is not, how do I puff up and get mine? But instead, God, how will you help? When you are wronged, you ask the question, God, how will you help? When someone else is wrong, you ask the question, God, how can I help? See how that works? When you are wronged, you say, God, how will you help me? When they are wronged, you say, God, how can I help them? That's the difference between righteous and unrighteous anger. More righteous anger. Clara Barton in the Civil War. She's upset. Why can't women go out there and help? Men are laying, bleeding to death in the battlefield. They'd be okay if you just wrap a bandage around them. We don't have any band-aids. Well, maybe we could collect some. How about this Red Cross thing? We should perhaps bring that to the United States. And there it begins. Clara Barton and the Red Cross. She's upset. Abolitionist. They are bothered by the fact that this horrible thing called slavery is happening. And they may not be able to win the war, but they can talk and write and rally and do everything they can to stop it. That's righteous anger. There's even a modern organization that is named. What's it named? M. A. D.D. Mad, right? Mothers Against Drunk Driving. They can't stop people from over-consuming, and they can't destroy the issue of alcoholism, but they can educate, influence, and make people aware of the terrible pain it causes when you hurt someone else through that vice. People get upset. They get bothered on behalf of someone else, and then they do something good. That's called righteous anger. That's what it means to be angry and sin not when you are after someone else's honor rather than your own. If you are protecting your own honor, more than likely, it's unrighteous. That's God's job. But you can help protect others. So don't be a puffer fish. 
Now give yourself for someone else in the school. Give no opportunity to the devil. If you open the door, even a crack, he comes in. Last week, we talked about gardening and different types of soils. And we said there's the fertile, wet, moist soil that has the word of God, the people of God, and the spirit of God enriching it over and over again. And there's a dry soil that doesn't connect with others, that pushes them away, doesn't hear from the word of the spirit. As a result, those weeds, man, they pop up. And if you're unwilling to pluck them and kill them, then they will overtake your entire garden. They will destroy your life. So too with anger. If you do not root that booger out, woe is you. It will destroy you in your life, in your relationships, and everything you hold dear is going down. Give no opportunity to the devil. So that's verses 26 and 27. Anger is a problem, but the solution is tender-hearted, kind, and forgiving as Christ. Verse 28 says to give, work hard, share. We have a wonderfully giving congregation. I know people share in here all the time, so I'm not going to hit on that very long. Just remember, when you work, you work to the Lord and not to people. It involves your time card and everything. Every moment is worship, not just today, but tomorrow morning when the alarm goes off, you go to worship. Not just to work, to worship. So give and share. And then finally, this. Remember, this is how you tune into the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm just going to refresh this image. How do we tap into the power? We tune into the Holy Spirit. If we cut off one of the arms, if we cut off one of the legs, if we have sin between us, then Jesus says, lay your gift at the altar and go make it right and then come back because we ain't talking until then. See, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son are all connected, and so are we. And so if there's sin between us, you've got to figure it out. Why do you think we're not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit? Probably because there's issues between us. We get those out, then we're on the way to connecting with him. He has this thing about sin because he is holy. So he really doesn't like it. If you want to offend the Holy Spirit, do something that is unholy. So speak well, speak the truth. And in fact, verse 29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Come on, God. Can I get at least one darn it per day? Know what I mean? Trying to give you the PG-13 version, I guess. I had a seminary professor actually say this in one of my classes. It has never left me. He said straight up the D word in seminary. He's like, can't I get at least one of these per day? I mean, maybe we can negotiate. I'll put the list on my fridge. And I just got one. And at the right moment, when I fall on that black ice and land on my tush, I'm going to be like, bam, and drop it. Because I got to get out a good cursing once in a while. Then I'll be able to handle my anger. And we'll be all good from then on. (laughs) Right? Just give me one, Lord. Come on. Can I have one? Not a one. That's right. Amen. Here's what the text says. Let. Oh, this is painful. No. No corrupting talk come out of your mouth. 
Not a single one. Oh, pastor, aren't you getting a bit legalistic here? I mean, come on, we're under grace, not under law. Verse 29 of God's word says, no. I don't think I can be much more clear than that. No. No, 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 no. Not a single one. Well, aren't some words worse than another? Nope. Well, let me say this. And it's okay if uh, you think differently, I guess. But I want to say this. Around me, some words do kind of land differently. Um, I know we talk about there's an F word, there's an S word, there's a D word. You know the one that really gets me? The OMG word. That's right. They got this thing about Jesus and God. It really bothers me when we take it lightly. So you can consider me the weaker brother if you want and say, you know what, that silly old pastor, that's fine. That's between you and the Lord. But just don't do it around me, okay? I'm serious. I mean, if you want to give me a good cussing, pick some other words, don't pick that one. Stay away from the Lord's name. Don't use it in vain. There's a reason that's one of the first the big commandments, you know, that's the big one. He is what? Holy, 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 holy. Holy Spirit is the most valuable thing you have. Don't chase them away with sin. You want to tap into the power? Remember that radio thing? Dial in close. You're at 88.5, it's 88.3, you're not going to get it. You missed it. You blocked it out. You've cut it off. You've got to clear it out and make way for that power to come into your life. Holy Spirit is for you. He is not against you, but he is against sin. So be kind, be tenderhearted, give and share, speak well. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Number one, you want to tap into the Holy Spirit? He's Tune in to others. Tune in to others. Number two, the last one, which you've probably already figured out, is basically you've got to tune in to the Holy Spirit. First of all, you've got to tune in to others. And the reason, I, the reason I'm going to others is because, look, most of the sin we do is against others. Like 99.9%. In fact, I don't know of a single sin in the entire world that doesn't have a spillover effect. Even that private thing which you think you enjoy in your basement, on your own, that hurts somebody else. All sin hurts somebody else. You can't sin without hurting somebody. That's why God hates it so much. So here's the thing. You want to tune in to the Holy Spirit, man. Sin's a big piece of that. But how you figure out whether you're sinning or not is you say, hey, how is that impacting someone else? Is it building them up? Is it giving them grace? Is it appropriate for the occasion? Remember, that's what we read in verse 29 said, let no corrupting speech come out. Okay, then what kind, pastor? Well, only what is good for building up as fits the occasion and gives grace. Is it appropriate? Is now the right time? Is my intent to build them up or is it to tear them down and make me feel better because I got mine? See, the difference between right and wrong is the intent there. And Why am I saying what I'm saying? Am I trying to help them or am I trying to prove myself right? Am I trying to one-up and get ahead? 
I don't have to do that. Jesus has already won. So I need to lay that at his cross and build them up and defend their honor. So tune in to others and then tune in to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is super sensitive. I'll give you a little illustration. Author Jamie Buckingham once visited a dam on the Columbia River. And he'd always thought that the water spilling over the top provided all of the power. Not realizing that that water was just the froth. But that deep within the turbines and generators that were the that transformed the power of tons and tons of water to electricity quietly without notice. Not flashy and frothy, but under the surface. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how the Holy Spirit works. He's quiet. He's oh so quiet. You don't hardly know he's there. There's so much noise in our life. Noise that we create, noise that others create. And unless you put that stuff down, you can't hear him. You have to drown out the other noise so you can listen carefully to the still, small, sweet voice. The Holy Spirit. He's sensitive to sin. Don't grieve him. He's the most valuable thing you have. Tune in to tap in. Tune into the Holy Spirit to tap into his power. Tune into others and tune into him. Listen, here's one example. We, at the beginning of our services, often do a call to worship. That is not just a formal, functional, traditional event. That is an intentional effort for us to stop and examine our hearts and turn out the noise and apologize and make things right and get ready. You say, oh, pastor, it's awkward. You know, it's quiet. I don't know what to do with that. You're right. Why? Because our TVs are on in our homes. Our radios are on in our cars. Our iPhones are going when we're walking down the street. There's noise everywhere. We have to stop and be still and listen to the Spirit. Number one, tune into others. Number two, tune into the Spirit. In closing, I'll say this. There was a guy... From 1837 to 1899, who was super tuned in. He goes by the name of D.L. Moody. And he was an evangelist. D.L. Moody was extremely successful and his ministry was expanding. And at one point, it was ready to go overseas and go to England. And like in many ministerial circles, there's a bit of perhaps... Uh, a feeling of disenchantment after many years of ministry and not seeing much fruit and same thing over and over again. Get a bunch of pastors in the room and some of them can be kind of grumpy sometimes. And such was the case when D.L. Moody was on his way to England. He's one disenchanted pastor stood up and said, why do we need this Mr. Moody? What's so special about him? He's uneducated, unexperienced. Who does he think he is anyway? Does he think he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? Room went silent. Guess not. I mean, we all have the Spirit, right? Right? Then one young pastor stood up and said, No, sir. But the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. That's the power of the Spirit. 
unleashed in one person's life. Countless numbers come to Christ. Moody Church, Moody Bible Institute, and Moody Radio. Exactly right. The oldest Christian radio station in the United States. 89.3. D.L. Moody was tuned in. And when you're tuned in, there's power. Tune in to tap in. Tune in to the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you and praise you. You're a good and gracious God. You do all things well. We love you and thank you for your perfect work in our lives. Lord, I quickly admit that I make many mistakes and I sin way too often. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit again and again to redeem and revive me. Please do that in our church, Lord. Please do that in our families. Please do that in our marriages. Please do that in our communities. Please do that with our unsafe friends. Please do that with our lethargic spirits that hasn't invited anyone to church in a long time. Please forgive me for not sharing my faith and please work, Lord, a miraculous work in us. Change us, transform us, remake us, renew us, redeem us by the power of your Holy One. In whose name we pray. Amen.